Welcome to 43% and Rising, a podcast about women in marketing. We sit down with some of the industry's most game-changing women, hearing about their experiences rising to the top, as well as their views on how the marketing industry can evolve. I'm your host, Beatrice Alabaster, and this podcast is brought to you by Ernest. In today's episode, I'm joined by Lucy White, Commercial Director at Luminary Bakery. Lucy started her marketing career in finance and tech, getting her first head of marketing role at the age of 24. She then turned her attention to social enterprise, heading up the award-winning, mission-driven Luminary Bakery and steering the business through the difficult years of the pandemic. We'll be talking about taking opportunities outside of your comfort zone, trying new things, and doing the work you're passionate about. Well, hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. Oh, great. And it's so nice to uh, actually do this recording in person for a change. So, um, yeah, sorry if there's any uh, background noise and motorbikes and stuff, but we'll <laughs> we'll do our best. Um, so to get started then, uh, I wondered if you could just tell me a little bit about yourself and about what you do. Yes, absolutely. So I'm the commercial director of Luminary and we're a social impact business. We're a commercial bakery. So we work with a lot of women who have faced um, real social and economic disadvantage and we offer out training and employment opportunities to help them get into the world of work. So my role within Luminary is to look after everything revenue generating. So sales, marketing, partnerships, brand, customer experience um, and and help to grow our team and head office. Um, and the, the beauty of that really is our model exists so that the more we grow as a business, the more our impact grows. Um, so that's where I am now. That's fantastic. It sounds like a lot of a lot of responsibility, <laughs> a lot of different buckets. That yes, you're... never, never a dull day. So we're always busy, always growing, which is great. But yeah, lots to look after. Oh, wow. And what was your background? How did you get involved um, in the first place? Mm. Yeah, so I actually started in quite kind of different roles, um, started out within marketing roles, mainly. Um, my first job was in Cambridge. So I worked for a medical devices business. Um, and it was a very cool job. Um, it was a surgical robotics business, which grew really fast in the time that I was there. So uh, I helped a lot with the founding team. I was one of the only non-engineer hires, so um, <laughs> learned loads about what it looks like to see a business on the ground scale up. And then after that, I moved to uh, Silicon Valley Bank, which is um, a bank uh, that works with the majority of the UK's kind of tech, high growth innovation companies and a lot of VC funds as well. So since then, I did a couple of roles in marketing for accelerator funds and seed funds. So kind of back in the world of finance. So really swapping to Luminary was quite a big change for me, yeah. both in terms of industry and in terms of role. So that was the kind of journey journey together. Oh, wow. It's fantastic. And it's... um. It is interesting, isn't it? I mean, we have a lot of tech clients mm. at Ernest and coming without a tech background or indeed a financial mm. background, it can feel like a really steep learning curve when you're trying to sell something which you mm. don't necessarily have much of a background in. Um, how was your experience kind of with that with that learning curve? 
Yeah, do you know what? I think uh, there was definitely a lot of learning. I mean, I was fresh out of uni. I mean, I actually started that first job, I think, the day before I graduated. It was oh, wow. very keen of me. <laughs> I'm not sure I was in such a rush. But um, there was definitely a lot of learning in terms of, you know, you're learning about the workplace, you're learning about the product. Um, sometimes you're working with entirely new products, so you can't even do a little Google at the back. Yeah. You know, there's nothing <laughs> out there. And so I, I do think also a big part of it is being prepared and doing the work and speaking to the engineers and you know I would sit in the product rooms and watch them build it and just try and immerse yourself and I think I, I often had times where I thought oh gosh this maybe I don't understand all of it and you probably never will actually yeah. you know you're not I'm not an engineer and I'm, I'm not going to be on that product side but knowing enough to be able to understand what's the problem this is solving goes a really long way I think in marketing to clients and um, understanding the brand so I would always try and do that um, probably to very varying levels of success. <laughs> <laughs> no but it's so difficult but as you say it's just important that you're getting the kind of fundamentals mm. rather than that technical granular detail and mm-hmm. of course you know getting that face time with the people who do know about a project not just for the yes. knowledge but also for that passion and to understand mm. why you know, the, the story behind the brand and the product, I suppose. Mm, and I actually think for marketing teams, and, and I had bosses who definitely taught me this, which I, I, I always think of now is, I think sometimes it can be easy for marketing teams to be a bit siloed on the side and you kind of make things look nice. But actually, I always think it's quite important internally as well to show that you understand what's happening and you understand the internal mechanisms of a business or a product. I think that goes a really long way, both for the external brand, but also teams internally I think it really helps absolutely because it sometimes can be there can be a little bit of I don't know whether suspicion is the right word yeah. against marketing but sometimes there can be a perception that you know we're not going to understand we're going to mm. be the people who are making things pretty and glossing over things mm. so have to have that relationship mm-hmm. with the people on the front line actually making the product is um must be super super useful yeah um I'm interested so you have a lot of experience in finance and tech and fintech which are traditionally very male-dominated industries. Did, did you find that to be true? What was your experience there? Yes, I think I think factually it is true. And there are often times where you're the only woman in a room and you have to kind of, uh, I suppose, find your, find your voice and, and be confident in those environments. I would say that I hadn't consciously thought of it so much you know Mm. day to day I think the teams I worked with were fantastic and really smart and to be honest a lot of the focus was just on the job at hand and so I think sometimes there's definitely an internal confidence thing I mean I was thinking about this you know thinking about the podcast and I was looking back at the dates and I thought gosh I did the head of marketing role I did my first head of marketing role when I was 24 and then I thought actually yeah there's probably a reason why I felt a little bit nervous going into a room (laughs) with people who've done 25 years in finance but actually what they were looking for at the time was something that was different and they obviously weren't looking for the years of experience they were looking for a way to approach brand and build a brand and, and and um and do that so I think rather than the feeling of being the only woman in a room or or the confidence thing I I actually think it's often been a little bit more like what we were just talking about so you know sometimes being the only non-engineer or sometimes being the only one who didn't um do 10 years as a trader and I've sometimes felt that more Mm. than um specifically around 
gender. Um, there's obviously been times, I think, more likely with clients you don't know very well, or not even clients, but people in the industry mm. at awards events. I mean, there, there's definitely things I saw and experienced at those kind of events in the industry, which actually looking back I wish I'd had the confidence I think now I would have the confidence to say actually yeah that's not okay and stop I think within the teams I worked for I always worked with really brilliant smart trustworthy people and so that wasn't so much of a barrier for me internally yeah no it's interesting and you're right if so much comes with experience and confidence and Mm. having the right people around you to be able to say you know, respond to those kind of awkward mm. situations should they arise. But mm. particularly when you are younger, you're inexperienced. It's, it's a hard, it's a hard ask to really want mm. to target any of that stuff. Yeah, and I think people. There's definitely pieces of advice that people gave me that kind of stuck with me. I think one of my first managers, um, you know, she was really big on don't sit in the seat in a meeting room, we have to pour the tea and don't, you know, she was quite conscious about it. And I wonder whether she almost had to forge that path before mm. some of us who are a little bit more junior and she 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 would always be pretty pretty honest with us around you know what are the easy wins to make sure you're taken seriously at the table you know she was she was always very big on doing your work being prepared being as smart as you can be for every situation but also not necessarily taking people's coats or yeah um, giving up the biscuits and you know, all <laughs> of those things and I still sometimes think about that um and the other piece of advice she, she would give was around not just asking other women to be your mentors or be your coach. So I think naturally you often feel an affinity towards another woman in your business because you mm. think, oh, she's done it. She's walked it. And I think there's something really powerful about that. But also I have benefited loads from the men in my life and career who have mentored me. Um, to be honest, a lot of them will just say, you know relax or be more confident you know it's a little (laughs) bit less loaded in a way and sometimes that's quite helpful because you know they're just seeing you for the work and the skills that you bring and they're sometimes not um I suppose they're seeing it through a slightly different lens and sometimes that can also be quite refreshing to have the mix of people speaking into your career yeah well you're right I mean it is a privilege to have you know strong powerful women as role Mm. models who have kind of done some of that work Mm. and forged the way but it's also it kind of is a pressure in a way to make Mm. sure that you're (laughs) living up to them and making sure that you're impressing them whereas there is something also about you know being put at ease and just being being a person in the workplace yeah exactly and kind of stripping that out of it and I and I sometimes think I thought about it a lot more very early in my career versus later on um maybe that is a confidence thing I don't know um I don't think we can probably ever strip it out totally but um yeah I think it's something that having a real diverse range of voices that you can call on is actually really helpful in the same way that it is with a board for a business you can kind of think about it as your personal board I think yeah, definitely having those kind of different perspectives, mm. different experiences, and sometimes you know having people to spur you on, but also having people to tell you relax, yeah, it's fine. yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. Sure. So that was that was a lot of responsibility then that you were given, age twenty four. I mean, how did you? It must have been exciting, but how did you feel about that? It must have been quite a challenge. Yeah, I think for me that was definitely the point where I flipped from being, I suppose, being a kind of doer, so being your um classic marketing exec or marketing associate or whatever it is whatever industry you're in I think at the beginning of those types of roles there's a lot of doing and executing Mm. and I I feel quite strongly about this because I think there's a lot of women and I talk about this with friends a lot you know you work really hard through uni you graduate you work really hard in your first job and you do a lot and so when 
you do that, you get rewarded, but in a slightly different way. And I think one of the things I thought about a lot is when you flip to managing teams or being ahead of or, you know, stepping up in any way, you have to operate slightly differently. So you're no longer just rewarded for being the doer. And this sounds really basic, but you're basically responsible for the team and you have to flip that mindset a little bit. So I think I definitely and still am adjusting to, okay, what does it look like to be enabling the people around me rather than it all being on me, putting in the hours and just doing the work? Because as you go through, um, you know, that that changes and there's different things required of you. And so I think that that probably took a little while for me to learn. Um, absolutely and it is you know there is a real skill to delegating Mm -hmm. successfully and it leading from a more kind of strategic perspective but I suppose at the moment as well there's such an obsession with kind of productivity culture Mm. presenteeism seeing those results it must be hard to move to a less tangible role in a way that must be such an adjustment in terms of what do you mean in terms of the role in terms of not being the person that's producing but yes, instead the person true. that's leading directing yes that is true although I think in a weird way you then have to focus on what are the results you're bringing as a team and I think in marketing it's really important as well to think about um what are you bringing to the business and sometimes sometimes a key part is just you know I'm I'm reworking the brand or I've done this event and all that kind of stuff and I think one of the things I've been lucky to be trained on with previous managers and teams is to be really focused on what's marketing actually bringing to the table is it ready is it revenue generating um or can you at least point to what it's bringing in terms of roi is it you know more engaged lead whatever that is and i think and i think that's a really big part of being a manager of a team is what's your output and what's your outcome absolutely especially for something like marketing where Mm. notoriously you know there can be a bit of skepticism about Mm. it it can be you know you're the kind of money spender rather Mm. than the money earner and that kind of thing so having those kind of quantifiable results um is so so important I'm interested so you know you've already mentioned you'll move to luminary that's a very different Mm. industry it's a very different kind of business um what prompted that Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, I wasn't looking to leave. I knew the founders of Luminary from previous work a little while back and I'd um, volunteered a little bit with them and I loved the mission. I thought it was an amazing business. And I also thought that um, Alice, the CEO, and Rachel, one of the co-founders, they well they still do have an amazing work ethic and I you know those people you meet sometimes in your career where you think oh if I had the chance to work with them yeah you know I I probably would and I didn't think much more of it and then early 2020 we had a coffee and they basically said you know Rachel's going on maternity leave there's a gap in the business we want to grow the business would you come on and then I thought, oh, you know, it was so, I think when things come in your path sometimes, it felt in some ways like such a big change and something I hadn't imagined necessarily in terms of career progression. But on the flip side, I thought, actually, here's a chance to go and do something really different with the business I believe in. Um, there's so much potential. I mean, at the time, the, the brand had just had so much press. Um, the business was growing. And I think also for me, I'd, I'd done a lot of marketing roles, but I always had in the back of my head that I would love to kind of earn my stripes in a bit more of a business, hands-on business role. 
Sure. So I thought about it. Um, then COVID obviously hit, and <laughs> I thought, oh gosh, that's clearly off the table. Um, and then, you know, a few months later, we were talking about it again, and very naively, I thought, oh, you know, well, when COVID's over in June 2020, I'll join. And uh, so I did. I did join. Obviously, um, I have to say the 18 months after that were very difficult with COVID. Yeah. Um, <laughs> talking about earning my stripes, I feel like. God, <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, everything from, you know, the cafes having to close and um, the pandemic and hospitality went through a huge staffing shortage. Mm. I mean, basically a staffing crisis where we had no staff, we had a huge turnover. Um, I mean, you name it, we kind of cardboard shortages, <laughs> ingredient shortages, I mean, so many things. And um, yeah, it was a lot more of a kind of hands-on business than I'd ever been involved with, having done a lot of finance or service-based businesses, you know, where everyone was happily working from home with not yeah. loads of, you know, some change, but not so much. So yeah, I think the thought process behind moving was you know it, it was definitely a risk both in terms of the volatility of the business and, mm. and the sector and um it was something very different but I also thought you know I'm at the point where I can take a risk would I would I look back and think gosh I regret not doing that it's an opportunity to help grow a brand grow a business and do something that I really believe in so you know I think you have lots of points in your career where things come and you're a bit of a crossroads you think oh gosh I can take the easy option or the hard route and sometimes there's other factors you know you, you have to be able to take a bit of a risk and you have to be able to do that so that's not a done deal by any mm. means but I yeah I think sometimes I, I was listening to one of your other podcast guests talking about taking risks and sometimes yeah. those opportunities that you you take turn out to be the ones that teach you so much um so that's a little bit of the thought process behind um that decision for me and to do something that you're genuinely passionate about Um, and kind of tempts you in a way because there are all these reasons why on paper an opportunity might be a good opportunity but it's again as you mentioned you know you like the personalities you like the mission it's Uh, interesting there's mm -hmm. a challenge and that that can be enough reason in itself sometimes definitely definitely I think you can um I think you can look back and think you know even if you did well three years there and it wasn't um it wasn't anything what you thought it would be. You, you learn so much from a different environment. You learn so much from different people. I mean, I've when I think back, I had no idea what it would be like, really. I think I was really naive <laughs> um, going in. But you learn so much about, you know, what it takes to navigate a business, a small business, and do that. And, and I think for me, it's also very much expanded my skill set in terms of I've, you know, I oversee a lot, uh, all of our marketing and brand and press and, and that type of thing. But it's it's almost bigger than that because it's also customer experience and it's sales and it's revenue. And, it, you know, it's almost broadened that mm. for me. That's so interesting to find these kind of different disciplines, mm. which are so interlinked. But often, yeah. you know, as mentioned earlier, it can be can be siloed sometimes Mm. it must be kind of satisfying to see that all come together Mm. um you mentioned it's been very tough 18 months I mean what a challenge to uh (laughs) to take up that position in possibly what has been some of the worst times for hospitality in recent memory how I mean how has that been what's Mm. your approach been to kind of steering the business which you are new to Mm. in such a challenging time yeah, I mean, gosh, I, I'm sure I would have done things very differently if I went back and did it now. Um, I I worked very closely with our CEO and our board. Um, I lent on them really heavily, actually, for decisions where I, I almost didn't have enough 
reference points and data points yet being new to the business. Um, I also tried really, really hard, even though we were remote, to be kind of investing in relationships with the team. So again, I think I would almost put even more focus on this now if I went back again. But some of our team were having to be in there every day as bakers, as baristas. Um, and I, yeah, just really put a real focus on trying to be a real supportive leader. I mean, I was new, but I think one of the things in those times of crisis is people want to know that their lead, team leader or manager is that is just there. And sometimes, sure. you know, I think <laughs> there were definitely times when there was so much troubleshooting. I had to say to them, you know, is this a problem you want me to fix or do you just need five <laughs> minutes to vent and be yeah. heard? And sometimes it was just a second. It was such a difficult time. Um, but I also think, and this was quite important, I also think that there was a lot of opportunity. And so, mm. you know, we launched our e-commerce business. We'd, we'd done a little bit of local delivery, but we, in a really quick space of time, managed to figure out how to post <laughs> our very, like, delicate cakes all over the UK. <laughs> um, and when you think about how, sometimes I think about how long that would take another large business to do. I mean, we did it really fast yeah. in terms of packaging and um, setting up with DPD and um, just kind of even creating products that would travel and be good for birthdays and the marketing that goes with it. I mean, we were really forced to innovate. And so I think actually, you know, while the operational day-to-day was difficult, we can look back and we achieved loads given that we had to. And actually, <laughs> yeah, and actually the team... Uh, and I get a great deal of satisfaction from that when you look back and you think, oh, we've done something new and it's worked and, and we have a whole sales channel now that we never had. I mean, our online store is now such a huge part of our business that we never had. So there's definitely kind of two sides to the coin. So uh, I think it was trying to toe the line of, um, you know, this is really hard and I'm here and I hear you. Mm. And if you need time, take it. And, you know, being as flexible as possible but also not wallowing too much in the kind of, yeah. oh, this is so awful, isn't it? We're all so, you know, and also saying, actually, there's opportunity here and we're doing a pretty good job and we can be proud of what we're doing and there's there's more to come. So I think it's probably a mix mm. of, of both. Absolutely. It sounds like you had to really balance that being a very kind of pragmatic, active, you know, agile leader with also having that empathy mm. what was a very difficult time for a team yeah. and a team that you didn't necessarily know that well mm. to begin with mm-hmm. and I definitely <laughs> and I think it's also asking for feedback from the team and it's always quite painful to do isn't it but there's yeah. definitely a time where I said you know is this working you know is this mm. working for you what what's helpful for me to change and start and stop and um there were times when they said you know what you're a little bit too positive on this okay do you know what I mean and I sometimes just need to moan (laughs) yeah sometimes you need to create space for your team to say oh this is quite hard and we haven't figured it out yet yeah personality wise I wanted us to be charging ahead and sometimes it was a bit of learning around yeah what does that look like as a leadership style to flex and to make space for people when they need it it's interesting as well, you know, it's a business that was founded by women, for mm. women. I've seen, you know, you've got all sorts of female ambassadors. Has that been a very different experience? Have you kind of noticed that in comparison to your previous roles culturally? Mm. Yes, I have. And I I don't know how much of it is also to do with the fact it's a different industry. Sure. So working with um, a lot of people who are doing part-time roles or um, roles between study, you know, barista roles, that type of thing. But I, yeah, I've definitely noticed the culture shift. I think I was often the one in businesses before where I'd be really focused on things like um, 
you know, representation or diversity inclusion. And I'd love being involved with things that we did, you know, charitable aims or um, social impact. You know, and, and, mm. and I think I sometimes would also feel a little bit like Gosh was I the one that was quite soft or I wasn't great at conflict (laughs) I don't know all of those things I think being surrounded by people who were often very very used to quite conflict heavy environments or being quite straight talking I would feel on one end of the spectrum and then I think coming over to a business that came out of a charitable background I mean we are a commercial business now but we still have our sister charity and we still are a social enterprise so we have a lot of people who have come from charitable backgrounds and so on the flip side I think here I'm like oh gosh I'm on this other end of the spectrum and things that surprise me still um would be very very normal back in you know a bank or um, a startup where things are very fast and you have to make decisions and so there's definitely been a change there I don't know how much of that is um women versus men I think a proportion Mm -hmm. I think uh I think you benefit from diversity in the same way that you do with more women being represented I actually think the same is true for men and I've I've you know our our board um has representation of both and I really value that kind of mix of voices so yeah I've definitely seen a difference I think there's pros and cons on both sides sure and I've seen now as well you're doing so you're doing is it an executive MBA Mm, yes I am yeah I started uh, I started last month so um yeah that has been uh that has been amazing I mean timing wise um it's great for me to be able to learn so much of what we're doing at Luminary you know everything from management accounts to how do we grow the business sales wise you know it fills in loads of gaps for me and actually I mean there's 42 nationalities on the program so it's an amazing mix of people who can speak into so many different things so yeah I'm loving it so far um I need a time turner like Hermione Granger (laughs) I was gonna say and that's why it's quite a big job to also be studying alongside Uh, I mean how are you is it going okay yeah Yeah, well they design it to fit around full-time work I mean it isn't it's a lot and it's very Mm. intense and uh you have to kind of be aware of that when you start it but so much of it is just exactly what I need in the job in real time so I think it's different to uni where you're you're studying, but you are kind of studying for the sake of studying. Sure. This is a lot more applied. So, you know, I find it so useful. I mean, it, it is Fridays and Saturdays, so <laughs> weekend becomes quite, um, you know, work heavy. But, you know, they'll be saying, OK, here's a framework for how do you engage your employees day to day? And you can literally go back on Monday morning and use that and so yeah I, I'm not that far in but I'm really loving it and loving the chance to speak to people from different industries and backgrounds who everyone's just thrown together nobody's competing and nobody has any bias towards your business do you know what I mean it's, mm. it's a group where everyone can be really open you get a lot of feedback you get a lot of challenge and so yeah I'm I'm loving it and got 20 more months of it so wow yeah (laughs) just the start no that sounds great to have something that so directly Mm. kind of fits in and complements your what Mm. you're already doing sounds like a 
fantastic opportunity. Um, you're also, I've seen, not that I've been stalking you on LinkedIn, <laughs> uh, you're on the advisory board of the Sweaty Betty Foundation, mm. which is also really exciting, just to, you know, cram something else into your schedule. Tell me yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, it's a pretty new foundation for Sweaty Betty as a business. So they um, have set up this this foundation. Um, and at the moment, it's very small. I think they still only have one person full time running that side of things. But um I yeah I talked to the team when they were setting the foundation up and were looking for trustees and advisors and um, their focus is really on young women so 11 to 18 year olds um, particularly those in lower income backgrounds because uh, that demographic I think they say only about 10% are getting enough physical exercise day to day or week to week so yeah really low proportion Um, and some of my background when I was at uh, university I set up a digital media platform for young women um in their faith so we did a lot of work with I mean it was really it shows makes me feel very old but it was really (laughs) before um Facebook or Instagram or anything had um monetized their ad system so we were like happily advertising all day long for that (laughs) two p a day or something and and we built a really really engaged um user base actually and so I think the combination of um work at Luminary with a lot of women who have come from um really you know trauma-based and disadvantaged backgrounds and some of my work in marketing they're kind of looking at Sweaty Betty Foundation to um explore what they can do both in person but also digitally so how do you create a community that will encourage young women um to stay active and remain active not just as a one-off but also to kind of get in those habits and be confident and everything from what you wear to um who you are active with it's it's really really interesting so yeah I've only only been part of it since kind of last summer but I think it's amazing what they do that's great and it sounds like you know you have an opportunity to meet with so many interesting Mm. experienced women from all across different industries Mm. by the sound of it yeah definitely so there yeah there'll be people there from you know England women's rugby and agency side and um you know really interesting one lady there founded a business where she I think this is so useful and interesting but she created a sports bra that like grows with you so I just think uh, one of those things you think when you think about it is so obvious but I think it sounds silly but a barrier to sport is actually oh what am I going to wear you know I'm 12 and now I'm 14 and my body's changing and 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 I now don't feel confident to join in PE lessons. And so I think it's really cool seeing people like create and innovate um, just like problems that seem so obvious, but nobody thinks to tackle them. So so often overlooked as well, but not, you know, aren't taken seriously enough. Yeah, I know, because I think it's the type of thing that could easily be shot down as like oh I'm sure that's not a barrier until you've until you've been there and you yeah. know you're like no everyone I talk to is like oh gosh I remember that time it's so stressful it's and awful it's all <laughs> awkward and embarrassing it is I know loads of the conversations we have in the foundation like meetings are around people just remembering like the smell of the changing rooms <laughs> it's very you really remember it and I think if your friends or your family aren't you know, yeah, on on modelling that, or, or you're in an area where there aren't facilities, or it's too expensive, whatever it is. There's loads of barriers, so they're doing an amazing um, work around encouraging that um, and kind of breaking down those barriers to access. Yeah, it's great, and you know, on top of such an interesting, important 
subject or cause that Mm. you can get so passionate about it must be great also to feel that you have a kind of professional network and community of women who are being so innovative and so Mm. skilled it must be that must be a great opportunity too to just get all of these women in a room and see what happens (laughs) I know yeah gosh I feel so lucky at the moment with with that and I think the MBA as well you meet so many people where you think wow I mean especially on the course people travel all over the world to come and study in London and you know some of them have trained as doctors and are now starting businesses and some of them have you know two-month-old babies and are doing the co- I mean gosh it really blows your mind but it's really inspiring I think to see women who have forged their path and um, I mean I guess this is the podcast right I've listened to the episodes before and it's really <laughs> inspiring because you think oh wow everyone has their own journey and their own barriers and um, it's inspiring to hear how people have navigated that and kind of um I guess run ahead with those opportunities sure no thank you that's why we're so so happy you can come on to hear from you um we're kind of running out of time but one question that I always finish on it's a bit of of a hard question but what advice would you give to any women pursuing a career in the industry Mm. that's a great question I think I think for me I tried to get a broad range of experiences so within marketing you've got so so many things you know you you could be doing um PR you could be doing agency side you could be doing in-house events and they're all really different and one of the things that I tried to figure out quite early on was you know is there an area that you love and you think you really specialize in and if so that's great but it's still probably worth getting that range of experiences and and for me I would probably advise you know, whether it's internships or even just um, opportunities within your business, just trying those. Because if if it doesn't work, you know, I had plenty of experiences where I did, you know, an internship for a PR agency and realised that wasn't really mm. for me. But at least now I know and it gives you the chance to know how to operate with other businesses, with other clients, to know what you are good at and enjoy. And I think those kind of early years are definitely times to get as much experience as you can because you just never know when it comes back to inform you and to give you a kind of much more well-rounded view and I think you can do that both through work but also just through being like a sponge and absorbing when you know (laughs) you can listen to so many things about people's journeys and just kind of absorb as much knowledge as you can and then start to kind of form your path from there because I think the more informed you are it will always help you in whatever role you have and so yeah if you think about how long your career is kind of working back from that end point you know whether it's being a real generalist CMO or whether it's being more specialized um having the experiences now will always help definitely no that's uh, that's great very very good advice <laughs> well thank you so much it's been such a pleasure talking you. to you especially yeah, for having me in real life <laughs> back to normal times well thank you so much thank you Thanks for listening to this episode. If you'd like to learn more about Lucy and her work, you can find her on LinkedIn. And if you're interested in finding out more about Luminary Bakery, visit luminarybakery.com or find them on Instagram at luminarybakery. And if you want to get in touch with us to comment or share your experiences or you're interested in coming on the show, then you can reach us on Twitter and LinkedIn at Ernest Agency. 
I've been your host, Beatrice Alabaster. Our producer is Susan Conacotti, and this podcast is brought to you by Ernest, the B2B marketing agency chasing out the humdrum in London and New York.